American United Federal Credit Union can often help when others won't. They can often approve loans even if you've had trouble being approved in the past. Qualifying for membership is easy. Learn more at amucu.org. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Dave McNamee, the Group Product Manager for Marketing Cloud at Adobe Systems. Seem to recognize that oh, maybe our brand should should provide any any touch point that a consumer has with the brand should enable them to get done what they need to get done, right? And that's the service that consumers are expecting. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, special forces soldiers, CEOs, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we start, I want to tell you about this thing we're asking our friends to do. We ask them to sign up for a program that saves them money on things like their cell phone bill and plane tickets, but donates money to child rescue to combat child trafficking at the same time. They go to the website cares.savvy.com rescue and sign up. It's kind of like a Costco membership. It costs them 15 bucks a month, but saves them probably 20 to $30 a month on their cell phone bill. So they're usually anywhere from 5 bucks to 15 bucks a head per month. Plus, an additional $5 gets donated to our charity to help fight these people who are harming kids. I think it's kind of genius because our friends can donate to us, and then they end up with more money for doing it. Please, if you can, check out the landing page, www.cares.savvy.com rescue. That's C-A-R-E-S-S-A-V-V-I dot com slash rescue. And see if you think it's worth your time to save every month to help these kids. Also, I want to tell you about one of our show sponsors, Bookly.co. It's the company that Zach Olson, who was on episode six, started. Not only are they our sponsor, but I use them personally for my bookkeeping for the business because they're like an amazing hybrid between accounting software, plus you get access to a real human bookkeeper to ask questions to and they can do payroll and file my taxes too. They have plans as cheap as $99 a month, and you can get the first month for free. Highly recommend them. Check them out at bookly.co. That's B-O-O-K-L-Y dot C-O. Now on to the show. Dave, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me. So um, you haven't always been at Adobe. You've done some entrepreneurial things. You were Marine for eight years. Um, uh, I'm kind of excited to talk about the things that Adobe is doing and the way that they're stitching it all together instead of all these like random apps that we all have, <laughs> at least we have at our companies. Yeah. Um, but let's start with, uh, let's start with some entrepreneurial side. So talk about being a solo entrepreneur before uh, being adopted by the Borg. There. Yeah, absolutely. So after working for a, a number of companies and in, including a, a startup for a while, I worked for government for a little while. Um, I developed some experience in product management and had uh, identified the need to do to provide product management consulting. So um, I went out on my own for a while, and it was it was a little scary at first to you know not have that W two job, but I loved it. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I 
didn't really have to market myself too much, uh, which was which was a, a great blessing. But I just through word of mouth uh, got clients and started helping them figure out what their products actually were and what they wanted to actually solve for their customers, and uh, and also um, help them kind of refine their their strategic objectives because they you know small companies don't have a lot of capital to to spend on product development. Uh, and that was actually where I ran into Adobe. Uh, they recruited me to consult with them on ingesting additional data sets into their Adobe Analytics product, which is the, the premier product within the marketing cloud, the, the largest product. And they wanted to figure out how to bring in uh, data from other sources. So started working with them and, and then ended up getting captured, like you said, captured by the Borg and assimilated uh, into back into corporate life. And I've been there about five years now which is uh, it's been a great ride so there's a lot of people who um talk to me at least about this business idea and what they want to do and they're kind of there's weeks turn into months of planning and sometimes years of planning and they never quite get ignition turned on the car um can you just talk from experience you're you're pretty uh, i feel like you're a pretty like security conscious guy you're, you're a very orderly guy you know I've, we've had barbecues at your house with the kids and like, yes, yeah, like immaculate yard and stuff. My guess is that you were prepared to make that jump. It didn't happen willy nilly. Is that you a know, good assumption or not so much? It's, it's mostly true. I mean, certainly there was risk that I took on. Um, you know, I had to deal with figuring out, uh, health insurance, you know, all the, all the logistical things that you have to go through when you're, when you're kind of self-employed and I have to figure out self-employment tax and, all that, but um, uh, for for the most part, like I started doing that consulting uh, with with a couple of clients already in my pocket, right? So I had a a good transition from the W two job to uh, to self employment, and uh, and had a lot of fun. Um, and it it you know I learned very quickly that consulting is you know you kind of max out the number of hours that you can spend in a day working for your customers. Uh, so the next step was going to be, you know, how to bring on more team members and kind of expand the business. And that's when Adobe captured me. Um, but I, I guess I was fortunate in that I had enough business and there was enough need, even here in Utah, there was enough need uh, for this type of product management consulting that I was busy up until I was hired on by Adobe. So, um, if you had advice for other people who who are looking at that, they they're sick of working for the man, you know, yeah. they want to go out on their own, um, but they um, they want to be smart about it. Yeah, you know, I feel like there is a lot of kind of mythology about entrepreneurship of these risk takers, these bold yeah. risk takers. The best entrepreneurs I know are risk mitigators. Like absolutely, where I feel like they maybe are different than some like people who are you know, their, their career track is the bureaucracy or whatever, right. or maybe more risk avoiders. Yeah. My impression of the, the entrepreneurs I look up to, the people who I've learned from ha has been not wildly jumping out into risk. It's accepting there will be risk and doing everything they can to mitigate the risk. Yeah. What's your feeling about that? I think that's a great way to put it, that people who are working for the man are kind of risk avoiders, but true entrepreneurs are risk mitigators. And they're looking at, how to um, how to arrange their affairs, how to uh, 
uh, to move their business idea forward, how to validate it. You know, um, the thing that I've seen most commonly in um, startups that fail or entrepreneurial efforts that fail is just blind hubris and just jumping in and, you know, believing that I'm just going to work really hard and it's going to work out. And that, that doesn't usually work. You got to be smart about it. You got to, as you point out, you got to mitigate risk. You got to look at what it is that you think you're, you're providing to the world. And if anybody really wants it and if you can market it and if, you know, if you can sustain it and if you can grow it and, you know, if, if that market's going to last, you know, there, there are lots of aspects to uh, starting a business that, that you can mitigate. Now, you can't get rid of all risk. There's still risk. And a, an entrepreneurial a person is, um, is not completely risk averse, but they see an opportunity and they see a gap. And they uh, they validate that opportunity and they they move forward systematically. Well, and I feel like there's also this thing about being in love with inventing something that nobody's ever heard of. That is, you're you're inventing the future, yeah. and it's like you know what? Profitability wise, it actually seems like people do better when they you choose something that people already know they need to spend money on. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, if you're doing something and you had clients in hand, you weren't, doesn't sound like you were out convincing the marketplace they needed your service. You were, you were going into a marketplace that knew they needed your service. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I've had experiences on both sides of that coin. Um, I worked for a startup that, um, that had a, a brilliant technology, but it was a problem looking for a solution is kind of the short way of saying it. Um, and, uh, it was it was kind of a shame that we didn't really have a firm view of what our product was and who our customer was. And we were trying to, you know, get developers to use this platform, and they didn't really understand it. They didn't. They had program programming languages that they already knew that they were solving their problems with. So, yeah, it, it's um, it's easy to get carried away with your idea, you know. And I've had my own ideas that I get really excited about but if you stop and think about all of the things that a consumer or a buyer would have to accept and all the things that they would have to understand in order to to take advantage of that service you know if it's more than a couple of steps away from their current reality it's going to be really really hard well i feel like i don't know call me cynical but i feel like business is so much like sales stuffed with whatever it is we do. Yeah, it is. And so um, when people get confused and they think that, um, I don't know, it, it does seem like when they get out of whack of like thinking about sales and customers, is that annoying afterthought? Yeah. Um, but man, the tech or, you know, man, yeah. the, right. you know, our cross multiplied, da, 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 you know, yeah. Um, it, it, it often, I don't know. I just think, man, how many more businesses wouldn't have to fail if they started with a couple of customers in their back pocket before they got started? Absolutely. You know, you think about how cheap it is to keep the day job, do nights and evenings and weekends and get up before work and call a different time zone. And like, if you could get those clients previous to to ditching the security package, you know, the W-2 or the whatever. Yeah. So many more people could last at getting started and they wouldn't burn their wives out and they wouldn't, 
burn their husbands out, whoever's right. supporting them in this endeavor, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, there's there's always going to be risk. Um, and it's, uh, but starting from a value proposition and validating that value proposition, like who who are you solving a problem for? What problem is it that you're solving for them? Do they know, even know they have that problem? If they don't even know they have that problem, you've got, you know, some convincing to do, some marketing to do. And it's not to say that uh, that an, an idea that's totally um, departed from kind of what the, what the current market norm is, an idea that, you know, this, this podcast is, has innovation in its name, right? So you know, I'm not opposed to innovation, uh, but there needs to be a grounded uh, realization that you have to solve a problem for someone. In order for it to work out, and if if you're if there's a customer base that understands that that they have that problem, and they see that you're a solution to that problem, then sales is pretty. I think it's pretty easy to do. Well, um, speaking about sales, uh, it sure seems like Adobe Marketing Cloud is getting some of those. Um, can you talk about why it has become such a juggernaut? And you know, there's a million marketing tech companies out there and new ones popping up every day yeah um adobe is obviously extremely trusted name and these kind of things but you know for me i'm a originally an art school dropout right i was right 15 you know 18 years ago i was learning illustrator and stuff like that not thinking man these guys these guys are the ones who are going to handle my marketing when i ever start a business yeah yeah can you talk about yeah i can talk about that so as you point out, Adobe has been in the um, the creative space, right, with Illustrator, and everybody knows about Photoshop. I mean, Photoshop is a verb. You Photoshop, you know, somebody skinnier or whatever. Uh, and, you know, the business continued to grow with the, with the creative suite of products. And uh, the, the Adobe leadership kind of saw that they needed to expand the business. And... The pathway that they chose, I think, is brilliant. The market originally didn't understand it. When Adobe made its first acquisition of a digital marketing company, it was actually Omniture, which was based here in Utah. They bought Omniture, I think it's back in 2010 or 2009, something like that. Uh, the market was confused. Like, why are you buying this web analytics company? Well, the the vision is to tie the entire creative life cycle together in one offering, right? You have the creative cloud, which enables creatives to build amazing things. It includes Photoshop, it includes Premiere, all these different uh, top-of-the-line products. And then once that content is created, how do companies leverage that content? How do they measure its effectiveness? How do they monetize that content? How do they distribute it in different channels in order for a brand's message to get out? Um, and so when Adobe bought Omniture, that laid the foundation for tying together that, that story, which is actually one of the distinct uh, competitive advantages that Adobe has. There are other big companies that are building marketing clouds, and I'm making air quotes, they're building marketing clouds, uh, but they don't have that tie into the creative process. Uh, and so Adobe has this tremendous advantage and Adobe has also assembled 
uh, a number of acquisitions to, to basically complete coverage on digital marketing experiences from web, mobile devices, both mobile web and applications, um, advertising channels, email advertising. There, there's capability across all of the different digital touch points that a consumer has with the brand, um, including your login to your, uh, your cable provider, if you use your laptop to watch cable, that's powered by Adobe as well. So like the, the Rio Olympics, much of the content that NBC provided uh, was driven by Adobe products. So it's, it's this combination of, uh, of marketing and creative uh, tools that make it possible for brands to really uh, um, strengthen their relationships with consumers or at least create experiences for consumers that resonate uh, and measure those experiences. Well, the thing that's fascinating to me about this space especially is, you know, we all know the famous John Wanamaker quote about, you know, half my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which right. half, right? Right. And with this kind of analytics and with this kind of data, that doesn't necessarily have to be true anymore for the people who who really want to learn, for instance, the kind of things that you guys are producing. Right. That's true. It's uh, the ubiquity of data is an opportunity for brands to really understand how consumers are interacting across the various touch points that they have. And um, with the marketing cloud, one of our big goals, and this is, this has been publicly stated, one of our big goals is to amass all of that data, to aggregate that data so that brands can, can, understand the consumer, can understand what they're doing across any touch point, whether it's uh, a regular website or a mobile application or even at a point of sale uh, within a store. That data can be brought into the marketing cloud to drive experience delivery downstream for that, for that same consumer. Uh, so it's, it's an exciting time because, and this is actually why I let Adobe capture me, because I get to try to build something that, that is unprecedented uh, and that is comprehensive. In what way? It, in its uh, comprehensiveness. So you have all these point products that are out there that, that brands are using to do their marketing. And these products, uh, a lot of them do a great job of that individual channel. Um, but only Adobe and maybe two or three other companies in the world have enough coverage in digital marketing channels to be able to even attempt to create a, a comprehensive marketing cloud that has um, uh, customer profiles that are leverageable ubiquitous, ubiquitously across those channels. So it's, it's a unique opportunity for me professionally to, to build something that is, you know, can't really be built in very many places. So if I'm a if an if I'm an entrepreneur, maybe I have a smaller company or more of a mid-sized company, um, the the kind of progress that you guys are making, in what ways do I want to start thinking of how that could grow my business to be learning the skill sets to be um, thinking in this term instead of just trying to create a funny ad or just trying to do a creative ad to think comprehensively. Um, 
you know, it can feel inaccessible to somebody who can't afford in-house data engineers or something. Right. If you're going to shrink shrink the change there, give, give me the bite-sized pieces how I could start eating that elephant. Well, even if even if a brand, let's say they're a small brand and they're not using Adobe's products cuz we we're the premier provider and we're not we're not necessarily cheap. Um but even if they're using if they're pulling together uh, a number of different services to try to run a digital marketing uh program the thing that they should focus on is asking specific questions and trying to get answers from their systems. As an example, um, when they when they run an email campaign, what is that doing to their web traffic? Just the, a basic question like that, being able to, to understand how to take the results of their email campaigns and how to tie that together with their web traffic is a, it's an important step taking those steps to not to not think about the individual channels so much but to think about the broader consumer experience and to uh, test hypotheses about how changes to the consumer experience will benefit their conversion metrics like that's just start to ask ask those specific questions and work towards answers and you know you'll find that even with some of the 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 more you know the the mid to the small tier providers they'll provide ways for you to get data ways for you to uh to run reports and, and really you know try to dig into what's going on with those channels you know um you, I know, are really into something I'm interested in, this idea of customer experience. You know, um, I used to have a, for about a year, I had just a printout next to my door. So every time I walked out of my office, I would see it. And it's kind of this idea, you know, we, I feel like, uh, especially in the business literature these days, there's a little bit of falling in love with branding and our brand. And, you know, you hear the word brand way too many times in a paragraph, right? Um, and I feel like somebody said, your brand is not what you think it is. Your brand is what the customer experience right. is. Right. And to me, that was a little bit of a shift of we don't define our own brand. Their experience with us defines our brand. And uh, I know it kind of puts a wrench in the crank of some of the romanticism of crafting our brand. Yeah. Like it's something that can be done in your corporate boardroom. Right. But with tools like this, it seems like we can become more intentional about about shaping what their experience with us could be. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And that's actually, uh, that's a part of our current marketing message about the marketing cloud is, is delivering consistent correlated experiences to consumers, which the, the sum of those experiences is what defines the brand in the consumer's mind. I mean, think about the last bad support experience that you had right that is sticking in your mind as the brand that you know yeah can i just jump in here sure i just want all call center managers who may be listening to the show today which i'm sure there's <laughs> thousands you know when the person that you call to ask for help they don't help you with what you called about and then they say can I help you with anything? Is there anything else I can help you with? <laughs> and I'm like, that question presupposes you helped me with the last thing I asked about. Right. 
Yeah. It's personal gripe. It's dumb experiences like that. And there are ex- examples of similar experiences. I mean, just um, when you when you make a, a support phone call and you're asked to enter your account number, and then the agent asks you the same question, right? Consumers don't want to answer the same questions twice. And they're, yeah, or, or multiple, multiple times. And the, so the, the expectation, and we're seeing this in our research at Adobe, the expectation of consumers is that a brand is going to know all of the interactions that I've had with them and is going to present me with something that relates to what has happened before and that is going to progress my experience with them and is going to deliver value to me, right? So whether it's at the, the check-in counter for Delta or, um, you know, in-store or with, you know, an online shopping experience, you've had interactions with that company in the past. And if, if, a, if companies are successful at making sure that the, that the past interactions that they've had with the consumer are helping them decide what they're going to do next with them, that they're going to be successful, right? And that's what the marketing cloud is. That's what the marketing cloud is aiming to do is, is provide the tools and the ability for Fortune 5000 companies to deliver those types of experiences to their, to their customers. You know, there's a lot of things to think about there, especially when we think about this idea of service. You know who Derek Sivers is, the guy who started CD Baby, the first online music store, sold it for like for millions of dollars. Does that name ring a bell at all? No, it doesn't. He's got this great, he's got a couple of great TED Talks, millions of views. And um, I remember listening to him on, on maybe James Altucher or Tim Ferriss, one of these podcasts. And he talked about how he thinks so many of us in the entrepreneur world have it backwards where we're really focused on getting the money. And then we ask, okay, what do I have to do to get the money? Mm-hmm. And he feels like if you can get really focused on service and being of value that money is a byproduct of that. So you think about like um, one of our friends, we, uh, so we had a woman named Lindsay Hadley on the show a little while back and her, her creative agency in the nonprofit space, one of her clients is Hugh Jackman and his wife, their charity, right? And I think about the staff and the, the, the many people involved in, whether it's the Jackmans or some of other Lindsay's billionaire clients that I've been able to meet with. And um, you think about the, the experience you just talked about. It's, it's having the brand and the technology make life easier. Like it's a service that I don't have to explain to them what I do with you, how I do it with you. Right. Anything. Right. No wonder that's magnetic. Yeah. I mean, for centuries, people who had the money paid to have other humans around to do that for them. Right. Why would we, why would we think this wouldn't be in human nature to think that if a brand or technology could do it for us, that we wouldn't also be attracted to that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's just the expectation now too, because, because, People are used to interacting with brands online. I mean, one example of, of that experience is when a retailer has different arms for their brick-and-mortar store and their online store. And you go into the brick-and-mortar store to return something you bought online, and they're like, oh, we don't do that here. And they don't seem to realize that that's a bad thing, right? They don't seem to recognize that, oh, maybe our brand should 
should provide any any touch point that a consumer has with the brand should enable them to get done what they need to get done right and that's the service that consumers are expecting uh, and and will continue to expect well and I'm not sure I, I don't know maybe I'd like to get your opinion about this but it almost feels to me like maybe we could think of reliability as a service being able to be relied on as a mm-hmm. form of service you look at McDonald's right we're not selling those hamburgers because they taste better than other hamburgers. Okay. I mean, if somebody started with hamburger, it would taste better than McDonald's hamburgers. Okay. But you know what you're going to get every time. Yeah. You know, and I've been to McDonald's on, on other continents and the fries still taste good. You right. know what I mean? Right. And so like I was in China, uh, my staff member, we were, when we were raising some money for our investment fund, he, he's from uh, Jilin and he's a petroleum engineer. We were over there and, we went around, we had all these crazy Chinese meals with all his buddies. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, it's like, you're touching this stuff and it's like, what is that? Why is it white with black sauce on it? It's like jelly with whole Swiss cheese jello with strings in it. This is crazy. Why are we yeah. eating this? And it's like, I like the adventure. I want to try everything once. Yeah. But I want to have a taste of it. I don't know if I want to eat a whole meal of it. Right. Right. And then right. so enough days later, it's like see those golden arches and you're like, dude, I could really, yeah, I could really go for some fries right now. And then I'll, I'll recharge the willpower gas tank and we go, go do some more experimental heating. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so this idea of brand consistency, because somebody has tech like yours where that experience is consistent, no matter what the touch point, right. How much easier is it for me to rely on a brand when I know exactly Exactly. And that's the thing that is, it's so difficult to do. The McDonald's example is an example of the fact that there's really only one touch point possible with McDonald's. You, you show up and you give them some money, right? And so it's, it's fairly straightforward. Now they've got it down to a science there, that's for sure. But when you think about uh, a brand like Delta, right, they have ticket counters, they have their mobile app, they have their web reservations, they have partnerships with credit cards, they have their loyalty program, their SkyMiles program, like there are all these different fairly sophisticated touch points that they have with consumers. So in order to achieve that same level of reliability requires all of those things to be kind of stitched together, right? And big brands are investing big money to do that kind of uh, collation of experience. Um, and it's, we're, we're still at the beginning phases of this, right? Some are doing better than others, uh, but it's, uh, it's an exciting time when, you know, our children, when they're adults, they're going to look at any touch point and they're just going to expect out the gate that they're going to be able to, to solve their problem. They're going to be able to get the service that they need. They're not going to have to tell someone the same thing that they told someone else. And it'll, it'll be true for the most part. Well, I, I think we're going to cut it off here for part one of the show. But um, I think in the next part, we'll have to dive into, you know, what can small and medium entrepreneurs, how can they take that lead? How can they get in front of the pack before it's the expected thing? How can they do it while it's still a novelty and it's still a magnet for our clients? Um, so please check back into our next episode with Dave as we talk about those things in being a Marine and all sorts of other stuff. And that's the show. Thanks again for listening. 
Again, if you want to help us combat child trafficking and rescue kids from predators, give us some aftercare help. The best way to do that today is to go to cares.savvy, S-A-V-V-I.com slash rescue, cares.savvy.com slash rescue. You can sign up for the program. It ends up putting you money ahead, saving money on things like your cell phone bill, and also donates to our charity rescue these kids. Thanks so much. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. 